Five, four, three, two, one. We are live. <laughs> Here is our reaction video to The Reckoning, episode two, which my dad, Derek Atwood, who is on the screen, was in. He was actually in it. So yeah, he, in it, yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he's open um, to you asking him any questions about the filming of The Reckoning. Uh, uh, any any questions at all you've got, just put them in the chat and we will put them to Derek. Okay, before you, before you uh, start about me being in it, you know, last night you and Dr. Daz were talking about the reckoning and why the reckoning, because Jimmy Savile never faced the reckoning, did he? No. Why it was called that. Well, I'll explain it to you if you don't know why it is. Um, do you remember this dramatic scene last night where Agnes Savile's mother went to confession? Yes, she was confessional, and she had doubts about her son. She was saying, you know, he's got a dark side and so on. And the priest said, "Does he, has he committed mortal sins?" And she says, uh, "I don't know, but he lies." Now you could say that's fiction; it's made up because the writer has no idea what went on the confessional. But having said that, Jimmy Savile's on record as saying his mum didn't trust him, and that she said she said to him that he'll end up in jail. So the Perhaps she said more to him than that, but that's a good starting point. At the end of the priest, at the end of it, says to her that we all have one last reckoning when we when we die, we face the final reckoning. That's where the title comes from. Oh, There's always thanks. an explanation. That's where it comes from. Thanks. Because I thought it was a strange thing to call it because he wasn't. Uh, he didn't face anything, did he? Like Cyril Smith and others like him. Didn't, you know, got away with things. It's, it's just a sad state of affairs, really. But there you go. Yeah, but so, the, the finish last night, um, well, tonight it was, wasn't it, now? When he's meeting Jack and Ellie, I'm I'm amongst the little group of extras that you, you can hardly see in the background, walking around, walking past, with just shadows. When they film it, as people probably know, if they've worked in TV, they do it over and over again. They use long cameras, distance cameras, but all they use on that night, last the shot tonight was just the close-up cameras so there, there it is but having said that watching J uh, Steve Coogan play Jimmy Savile on the screen is completely different than seeing Steve Coogan as Jimmy Savile in the flesh because we had no idea he was going to be on set so we're down there on the prom in the freezing cold in winter there's this bloke at the ice cream store this big fella we didn't know who he was at the time this couple with the child all of a sudden, out of the darkness, the Rolls Royce pulls up and Jimmy Savile walks towards the group of people. And we see him. We're right next to him, really. We can see him. And he starts talking about this Jimmy Savile. He was Jimmy Savile. It was an incredible performance. Absolutely incredible. I don't suppose you remember. You do remember Spitting Image, yeah? Yes. Well, this is where Steve Coogan got his break. He used to write scripts with Spitting Image, but also did voices. And he did Jimmy Savile. In spitting image. Oh, yeah, so that's how he's got it long, nailed. Started a long time ago, yeah. Wow, I had no yeah, idea. Yeah. So it right, was so amazing. You're saying, yeah. you're, saying that, you're saying that Coogan was different in real life from seeing him on the screen. Absolutely. Well, when, whenever you see somebody in the flesh, like when you go and see a live act on the stage, you're a musician or so on, they're always different, aren't they? They always appear more magical in the flesh. And that's how Steve Coogan was. Well, creepier in the flesh as, uh, as Savile. But he was incredible. 
he was also very friendly. He was chatting to the other extras that was closer to him in between takes because about about 15, 20 takes for that scene, that small, tiny snippet with Jack and Ellie. So we're here with Derek Atwood, my dad, who was in The Reckoning, episode two, which yes. many of you have just watched. We're giving our response to it. So is it as disturbing then when you're there with the actors watching that scene as it is for the viewers seeing it portrayed on TV? Uh, you're asking me this, Sean, yeah. Yes. Right, well, as I just said to you, seeing Steve Coogan as Jimmy Savile in the flesh was far more scary than seeing him. But last night, when I watched it the first time on the iPlayer, all I was looking out for was I appearing, where was, it? Where was I, and so on. But yeah, his performance is outstanding, really. I mean... Whether he'll get an award for it because of the content, I don't know, but he deserves one. He's a bloody good actor, without a doubt. <laughs> so the scene then, whereby at the end of the episode today, it shows the guy, the Murr, and he, introduce, yeah, he introduces the parents and the girl, and then Savile takes the girl off. So were you shocked when you first saw that scene acted oh, out? God. Absolutely. It was because it... It looks so real because what we've got there is that the two parents are so excited when they see Jimmy Savile. And Jack and Ellie is a celebra celebra celebrated person in Scarborough at the time as well. He was a big businessman, ice cream magnet, wherever they are, and the mirror as well. So they were quite excited about the whole thing. And the child, um, I'm pretty certain she's played by an actress a bit older because it would have been a bit too leery otherwise. She was jumping around as well. And to see this going on, it felt real, to be honest with you. It felt real, you know, absolutely, definitely real. It was a strange thing to see. Especially, would it be nighttime as well? That was why it was filmed at night, to give more atmosphere. It, if it was bright daylight, seagulls flapping away and people walking past happy, it would have been quite the same. So they picked, whoever <laughs> decided that was to, to be filmed like that was spot on, as far as I can see, because it did the trick. I mean, did you How feel like yourself when you saw it? Yeah, but I'm curious because you were there acting. Did you like, was it so real you felt urged to like yell at the girl, don't go, come back? <laughs> Not to that extent. No, but what it did do, it, um, it made me realise how, how evil uh, Savile was, you know, to do this, to walk off with children like that, especially with the permission of the children. Because that was the key thing when, when I heard him say it, on the prom down there um, a couple of years ago now, when he said, only with the parents' permission. You know, I mean, that was it. <laughs> that was the key thing. He didn't do anything without the parents' permission. You know, so it was uh, very, very strange. Yeah, very leery. So earlier today, I did a video, you know, going over Savile's entire career and his origins. And I said that the first I heard of him was Jim will fix it and then top of the mm. pops. Yeah. Did he come on your radar way before that? Um, it was top of the pops. In fact, me and your mum probably remember seeing the first episode with him on there. And like a lot of people, since he died, a lot of people have said uh, it was always strange. But I've never heard anybody yet say, uh, oh, I liked him. It was a shame he died. It was a shame he was a bad man. Everybody says they thought he was strange, but... Somehow or other, he managed to manipulate his way into the whole country. And as one of the victims said, I don't know it's last night's episode or, or tonight's, um, 
he hoodwinked, they groomed the whole country, didn't he, really? In fact, you know, Maggie Thatcher, the royal, part of the royal family and so on. He groomed them, didn't he? He was, he was, I hate to use the word, but he was an evil genius. So we're taking questions from my dad, Derek Atwood, who was in The Reckoning. First question is from Ray J. Did anyone on the set talk about real experiences with Savile? No, not on set. But having said that, one of your mum's friends, uh, Sean, I won't mention her name, she had a friend who, uh, back in the 60s, when Savile was a DJ in Manchester doing Top of the Pops, that's where Top of the Pops was from originally, only from this little dance hall in, in, in Manchester. Um, two of this, you know the girl, but her, her friends went to see Top of the Pops and they went back to Savile's flat in Manchester with him as 15 to 16-year-olds, one of whom was quite tough, your mum said, and you know nothing would ever happen. And nothing did happen, but it just shows the, the, the possibilities are always there with him. He was always getting kids to come back with him because basically that's what they were, weren't they? And he was already oldish then. He was he was born in the 1930s, I think, wasn't he? When he was on top of the pops, he was in his 40s, I seem to remember, or later than 40. Because he was quite, um, age-wise, you couldn't tell. He was either very, very old or weirdly young, wasn't he? He was a strange, strange character. Gemini wants to know whether you were an extra. Yeah, I was an extra in that, yeah. I was just, it, it's background, they call it. When, when the ADs are coming to get you, say, background, come on, come on, let's have you. Like, you know, treat you like cattle all the time. But it's good fun. I like doing it. Got a unique opportunity to ask my dad, Derek Atwood, questions live right now. Gemini said, did you do any research first before taking on the part? Um, well, as, as many people did, we knew a lot about Jimmy Savile and we knew at that point when I was going in this with... with uh, rest of the extras that we knew he'd, he'd been an evil man we knew he'd got away with it and so on and so forth and it was in plain sight etc all the cliches um i do remember that um just about the time he was he was in hospital he was dying or he died at home didn't he not in hospital but went just as he was about to die the bbc made a documentary about him uh, i forget the lady's name she's now dead and he died and they wouldn't put out this special panorama program exposing him. And instead, they put out a tribute program to him. But it went to ITV in the end. And ITV showed it 12 months later, the whole thing. And everybody knew by then what he was like. They didn't believe it necessarily at first. But when they saw the documentary, which really was a BBC production, but they didn't want to show it, it was shown by ITV. And this drama has been made by ITV, by the way, even though it's been shown on BBC which is a peculiar thing, but it's produced by ITV. Which leads to the next question, and I'll add a bit to this, from Ray. Why did the BBC do a drama series of Savile? It seems the BBC is glorifying his vile legacy. Well, as I've just said, the BBC have shown it, yes, but they didn't make it. The ITV made it. Um, but what, what do you think? Do you, don't you think you think it's a bit risky for the BBC? Isn't it reopening wounds? To do this now, well, yeah. as Steve Coogan said when he was talking on various chat shows about the idea of doing this, he said as long as the victims were involved, which the four victims were, and they were very brave victims as well, but they represented, what, hundreds, maybe thousands of other victims of Savile, and as they were quite pleased, if that's the word, 
they were quite pleased with the outcome of the of the drama. So as long as they were satisfied, I think it's like when you 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 go to Auschwitz or somewhere like that. It's a horrible thing to do, but you should go there to see how evil the Nazis were. It's the same as watching this now. You get a sense because if people might have heard there was a bad man and so on, but didn't realise what he was actually doing. This gives you an idea what he was doing without being too graphic. It's showing you to the point where you know, oh, my God, is actually, you know. So it, it, I think it's, it was well worth doing myself. Got a comment from Daft Tim here. Giaconelli and Savile used to drive around Scarborough in a pink Rolls Royce and pick up waifs and strays and go down to Jay's ice cream parlor. That's quite true. And um, police, <laughs> police uh, have also said that they had an affair together as well. I don't know what they did, but... The two of them and the fur, Jack and Ellie and Savile, what a what a combination! But they did have they did have what's recognised as a paedophile, a p ring. Sorry about the word, Sean, in in Scarborough. Uh, so that was that was ongoing. They supplied each other with victims. Yeah, because his own mum said to him in the episode today, she sat when they were sat down. That there were rumours going around about Jack and Ellie with boys, didn't, didn't she? Jack and Ellie was well known for those kind of things in the 1950s. Uh, it's the same old story. He was quite a powerful businessman. How you can make money out of ice cream, he did do. Fair play to him. He became the mayor. Actually, he was trained as an opera singer, it seems. He was Italian descent, Jack and Ellie. Um, but he was known as, as doing that for quite a while. Again... There were charges being brought against him, but they never went anywhere. They were persuaded to drop the charges. But doesn't it sound familiar? Like was it the Surrey police that had Saville at one time under arrest and charging him, or almost charging him? Well, they had the reports from Duncraft Girls uh, School, mm. and but Saville had it so that if any complaint came into any police jurisdiction, they would have to be transmitted to Leeds Police, where he did a weekly luncheon for them. Yeah, oh yeah, he had them all in his pocket. He, he had that from the early days in Manchester, when he had uh, he put, portrayed himself as you knew he was a wrestler at one time, did you? He had a wrestling career. Did you know? He that? Claimed to have done over a hundred matches. I think a lot of people let him win. I don't know, but um, <laughs> he portrayed himself as a tough guy down the mines in this and that. He was only down there five minutes, and he hurt his back, didn't he? He was a Bevan boy when he was about 16 or something like that. But he wasn't really down the mines. I mean, it's a shameful idea of being a miner for him anywhere. Shame on the miners it would be, wouldn't it? But no, he was always, he, he portrayed himself in different ways. He like moved himself around. He was a shapeshifter. That's what he was, really. He was who you wanted him to be at that any time. All right, so Paul wants to know, was this kind of thing more acceptable in those days. David Bowie was sleeping with 13, 14-year-old groupies. One Rolling Stone married a 13-year-old. Why wasn't there more public outrage? Yeah, that gentleman's quite right. The Rolling Stone, don't mention his name perhaps, but yes, she was uh, under the age. He ended up marrying a mother as well after that. The, the, the lady who Rolling Stone married, he married a, her mother after the affair with the girl. But uh, yeah, it was... Because they were big rock stars, I think people might have looked at them and oh, it's, it's a bit different. It's not that wrong, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it was unacceptable, really. But at the same time, it wasn't looked as seriously as it is now. More, you know, the victims are more you know, listened to now. Do you think, because the internet wasn't around, Dad, do you think that 
you know, people, if Savile was out with some kids, someone would just take a picture of him now, wouldn't they, and put it online? Yeah, yeah, that would that would be happening, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, Savile been using the internet himself, wouldn't he? he would, in some way or other, you know, he'd be using it to his own means as well. He he was on the ball with stuff like that, wasn't he? Yeah, he he had foresight, didn't he? So Edward wants to know: Is Jimmy Savile the most hated Briton in history? He's probably one of them, isn't he? Yeah, uh, most reviled. Yeah. Indie Indie girl wants to know what it was like working with Steve Coogan. Was he nice? Well, I wasn't that close to him on the set. I was down there on the on the prom. I was a couple of yards away from him, but there was a couple who were sat at one of the tables and in between takes, he was chatting to them. So he gave me the impression of being a nice guy. So uh, I've always always like always liked Steve Coogan. Remember he did that film Philomena, that was a brilliant film. We've got to be careful how we answer this one, Dad. Uh, did Jimmy Savile defile human corpses? Do you know anything about that? No idea. I've read about that, but I've no idea. It's, We've interviewed a guy called Boris. So, Cornelius, I'll refer you to the interview with Boris. It went up last night. Boris is an expert on Broadmoor and what happened with Savile in the morgue. Um, and he does get into details about what you're asking for there. Sean, your dad is more charismatic than you. <laughs> charismatic? <laughs> see, runs in the family, you see. <laughs> You've been drinking. <laughs> no, I've not been drinking anyway. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm empty hands here. <laughs> so how come you never steered me into watching Jim will fix it, Dad? Not a programme I liked. I've, to be honest, going back to the cliches everybody used, I never liked him. He was always very strange. And that that programme, to me, always seemed a bit strange. I mean, I had no idea what was going on, but it did seem weird. You know, it's it just like a strange... I always thought of him as a strange little gnome kind of person, you know, this this little... What he was doing with all those other DJs on top of the pops. I mean, some of them were good-looking blokes, weren't they? And, uh, Kid Jensen, the blonde-haired lad, they were all... But next to <laughs> Jimmy Savile, next to them, it's a strange thing. Uh, and I remember me, you, and Karen used to sit religiously watching Top of the Pops, and you'd be very happy if Morrissey came on. Oh, Discover the Smiths, <laughs> he came on. Oh, yeah. What was the first song? Was it uh, Hang the DJ? What was that one? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I got yeah. Karen into the Smiths, didn't I? I think. You did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got the LPs. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but Corey's asking about the connection between Savile and Sutcliffe because with one of Sutcliffe's victims, the corpse was left behind Savile's flat on some grass. Really? Is that and true? There's a, yeah, and there's a theory that it was like an offering to Savile and Savile was questioned about the murder and then years later in Broadmoor, they were best buddies when when Savile visited Broadmoor, they were he, he, he was running Broadmoor. Edwina Curry gave him the keys to oh, Broadmoor. I know that, but I didn't realise that Sutcliffe was in there and they came across each other. I've heard about this before, but this is actually verified and true, then, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, um, I Mike's pointing out that the BBC kind of narrowed the scope because it didn't include what happened in Jersey. The Hot de Garange thing, remember he denied being there and the photo came out. Yeah, they, they couldn't put everything on there at all, really. It's too much, could they? You just wanted a sense of what he was like, really, without going into all his detail. It would have been years long, the, the amount of vile things he did. They couldn't cover everything. 
No, um, when they have to distill your life down. To Thank you, Amy. Small... It's very kind of you. Because <laughs> <laughs> we we filmed for hours and hours and hours, didn't we, for my Bang Up Abroad episode? It was days and days, oh, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then and then they distilled it down to forty five minutes. Yeah, and edited it to say you said things when you didn't. Well, not when you didn't. <laughs> give you answers to what you didn't reply to. So. Angela has got a comment. Hi there, I'm listening from New Zealand. I never watched Jim will fix it. I always thought he was a creep. I'm going to I'm going to see the Smiths in New Zealand. Nice to see your dad on here. Well, you've seen a Smiths lookalike because in, they, they've not reformed. It's it'll be a copy, won't it? Obviously, and Morrissey, um, he's not a nice man, is he now? Sadly, <laughs> but we won't go into that. Um, yeah, it will be a copy probably. We've got a question from Esme here. Looks like she went through something horrific um, back then. So our heart goes out to you, Esme. Oh, Why was Utree so ineffectual? Another top DJ was a bad man who assaulted me, and it was dropped. Oh, oh dear. Mm. Do you do you think that Utree um, was didn't go as far as it should have? These things are never that. Um... Thoroughly, really, they don't get enough people to come in and speak on evidence. You know, it's just uh, James Cromwell. <laughs> I know what you mean. I think he's a brilliant actor, but no, the, the, the new tree thing was never um, done properly. They never put enough money into these things. What other TV shows have you and Mum been in, Dad? Uh, well, me and Barbara did a jive in uh, Emmerdale, uh, the, the soap. Uh, we played a pair of pensioners in Hollyoaks, and uh, Barbara was in. Your mum was in the Crown, remember as well. As yeah. The Charlie's investiture at Carnarvon Castle. <laughs> it was freezing cold in November, and it was supposed to be July when it was actually done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been in the English game. I was, oh my God, I had nineteen, twenty days work on that. I had about, I played about five characters. If you've never seen the English game, it's on Netflix. Now I don't watch football but it's a brilliant it's about football the history of football the working class background to football playing Eton and so on it's absolutely brilliant series and you'll see me in that <laughs> <laughs> if, if you've got wherever you are watching this as well if you've got any questions for my dad get him in now it's getting near his bedtime yeah i'll be going to bed soon <laughs> psychedelic fish do you know anything about a swinging 60s pop group jimmy savile and a pea brothel no it sounds made up that no do you no. do you think that savile because you know he gives the impression i could you know i could, I could call it, i could sit down and have tea with the kinks and the beatles and all this stuff was he instrumental in helping these some of these groups get famous like the beatles no not as far as i know in fact uh, each piece i've read about bands coming across him they all felt he was a bit creepy a bit strange anyway at least um you know the famous Thing about Johnny Lydon on TV that time, he said something about him which was taken off, wasn't it? If you remember, he was the one yeah. that outed him, really. Um, but um, no, no one really sensed it. But he never helped groups, he just wanted to help himself, and you knew what he wanted to help himself to. That was all he was about himself. All that charity stuff, it was all a front because if you look at the history of people like that. They do things like that, don't they? They get involved with younger people as much as they can, and, and that's the way he did it. It was a massive smokescreen, wasn't it, really? In fact, it, it, the biggest smokescreen ever created, he got as far as Thatcher, going to Checkers for New Year or whatever it was, 
Charlie, Diana, and so on. It was, it was. It, how could you penetrate that? It beggars belief, doesn't it? It does. It does beg a belief, especially when you you think he's not likable. <laughs> what did they see in him? It's just, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing, really. How do you think he got away with it for so long? Like I just explained, the smoke screen he created and the connections he made. Um, everybody, uh, Cyril Smith was the same. Somebody else who died before he was caught. He was an MP and too much power. The police, he had the police in his pocket, Cyril Smith, Manchester, Salford, round there. The same old story everywhere. You come, you do, do a big smoke screen and you, you know, like the Wizard of Oz banging away there, and all of a sudden, they find out, but he never found out with Jimmy. They're asking, if they're asking if you're proud of my work and books, but I think you're more proud of Ziggy, aren't you, Dad? Oh, yes. Good old Ziggy. Ziggy was born on my birthday. <laughs> Great <laughs> present. <laughs> How old am I? I was 75 on that day he was born. Middle of the night, wasn't it? About 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock. Yeah, I know you wanted to see him before you, you, you go. I'll see if he's available. I'll be right back. <laughs> keep, keep talking to them. Keep talking, Sean says. Well, Sean said, how proud are you of Sun for all his work with stream? Well, we are immensely proud. It's, it's done really well. Um, he never stops working. Um, he always does things 100%. Sadly, sometimes the wrong thing is 100%, but there it is. Yes, he was a bright student. He did got a great degree. At, uh, oh, when he was uh, about 12 or 13, he started delivering leaflets in the local area. And uh, oh, there he is! And he got Peter Wildman to help him deliver these leaflets. What did Peter do? He goes and dumps them in a the field, doesn't he? <laughs> Happy days. Fast asleep there. Expecting a smile. Don't wake him up anyway. No. He's, he's bigger than ever, isn't he? Oh, he's got to be about good. thirteen. Got to be about thirteen, fourteen pounds. He's only just over. Really? What's he yeah. supposed to be? A lot less. A lot less. <laughs> Ah, uh, he's a cracker, so he is. <laughs> don't know about the name, though. Ziggy. Oh, I don't know. But no, we're used to it now, aren't we, I suppose? Talk about him while he's not here. <laughs> um, Ed, Edward wants to know, was Savile the biggest con man in history? I think probably... Yeah, I think he was. If you if you leave like the, the Ponzi scheme, bloke, what was his name in, in New York? But that, he was a big con man, wasn't he? That was money. What was that fella's name? I can't remember. You should know his name. The big um, famous Ponzi scheme. Anyway, he he was a big con man, wasn't he? There's been a few, hasn't there? So Paul is saying, how can the age of consent be set at fourteen in big countries like Germany, Portugal, and Italy? Is it really? So, so it's okay in one European country, but not another. How do we differentiate these? Um, I, I didn't know. I had no idea it was that low in those countries. I'm well, not we sure. We still don't know, really. I don't know how. You'd have to look it up. It seems pretty low to me. I don't know. Esme, Dad is asking Do you think Savile was an asset to providing to the highest echelons? There's no proof. You can say that as much as you like. You can say that he did this, that, and the other, but there's no proof. <laughs> Yeah, and Ziggy um, on one side, me on the other. <laughs> Wouldn't be much comment from Ziggy, though, would there right now? <laughs> Were you shocked when Sean went to work in the stock market? Well, originally I asked my dad for money to invest in the oh, stock yes. market, and he told, oh, yeah. told me to bugger off. 
Yeah, because it was they were privatising the companies. This is one of Thatcher's ideas, wasn't it? And uh, staunch Labour supporter. British Telecom. And my British. mother was a, a Thatcher <laughs> admirer. So Sean shot off when we turned him down. 50 quid, was it? 50 he quid, shot off yeah. down to his nans and she said, oh, yes, no messing. Hit <laughs> 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 for Maggie. <laughs> so overnight you stagged them, wasn't it? That's what you did, I think. Yeah, we flipped it on its first day of dealings. Made a few bob, yeah. Question from Feminist X. Do you think there must have been heaps more Savills? And maybe Absolutely. there still are. It's as old as time, this thing, isn't it? This has been going on forever. Forever, ever. Yep. The thing to remember is that most of these things are done within families as well. It's not usually strangers or... Sadly, it's mostly within families. Do you remember Savile doing a show with Rolf Harris? Can you remember what it was called? Was he a guest? Rolf Harris had many TV shows, didn't he, doing his painting thing. Um, apart from Top of the Pops, oh, he had Jim, Jim will fix it. I don't think, did he have any other? Oh, Savile's Travels he had, didn't he? As was shown on the, I yeah. forgotten about that. Savile's Travels, to be honest with you. I remember yeah, it that now, was but that was shown today, wasn't it? Savile's Travels. I don't know about Ralph Harris at the same, but they probably were. Probably were on the show together. Mm. Did Jimmy Savile get lots of mentions and honours from the Catholic community? Because he kind of played that card, didn't he, when he was called out on the episode today by the BBC? He he got the um, the papal medal or something, didn't he? Um, I don't know how he managed to get that, but probably cash because they like money, don't they? The Catholic Church. Um, it seemed to. This is what I was wondering about whether his his faith was absolute. Because he had this thing himself, didn't he, about this debit and credit? He can commit so many sins as long as he does all this charity work and this good work that he's helping people, so called. Once he gets to the pearly gates and he does this thing with Saint Peter, and he looks at the the balance sheet and he lets him in. But obviously, he wouldn't have let him in so if there's such a thing. <laughs> I think Saint Peter would have seen the right side. So Savile was honoured with a papal knighthood mm. by being made yeah, a knight, a knight did, yeah. commander of the Pontifical Equestrian Order of Saint Gregory the Great by Pope John Paul II mm. in 1990. 1990. Yeah. And he got a knighthood as well, didn't he? He got a knighthood and he got the OBE. Dear me. Thatcher saw to it, didn't he? Because they weren't sure as to whether to give it him or not, and she insisted in her last uh, term. Yes, I remember this now. There were. People within Thatcher's government, the advisers anyways, said there were things about him, said there were rumours about him at that time, and but she said, oh, no, he's having it, and that was it. Has anyone so loved ever disgraced themselves more than Savile? I think just the scope of his offending is, is just, I've never come across that before, 50 years of offending like that. The description everyone so loved, um, I think he was admired i don't think anybody would say they loved him at the time even they liked his programs the things he's allegedly doing for kids jim will fix it and stuff like that um but i can't i remember um florrie used to like jim will fix it but i don't think she particularly liked jimmy savile i don't think anyone loved him really even his own mother didn't seem to love him so yeah <laughs> he only loved himself Right, we've done all the questions. I'm going to keep it going, Dad, because I want to give some more background to the episode today. Okay. But huge thanks for joining us. No worries. And um, speak Anytime. soon. Cheers. Thank Anytime. you. All the best. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone.
Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Bye. Right. Thanks for being so nice to my dad and sending all those questions in. I could tell you he really enjoyed that. Now, what I'm going to do next is one of the main themes of episode two, because I want to just give more background to one of the stories there, was the girl who committed suicide. And we, for our documentary Untouchable, actually interviewed her friend, who was also a Top of the Pops dancer called Kelly Gold. So the Untouchable documentary, we're going to rebroadcast it tomorrow night, I think at 7. And you can see Kelly Gold's interview in that. But for now, I'm going to give you more details as to the background of that story because they've got to simplify things when they're just doing four episodes. You know, a person's lifetime is just too mammoth. So they have to simplify things and cut a lot of characters out. But the actual true story behind what happened there with the girl who killed herself, her real name was Claire McAlpine. And this was something that a world-famous singer was involved in. It's something that Tony Blackburn got embroiled in the scandal. And I'll give you some more details about it. So this was how it was reported in the mail in 2016. A world-famous singer seduced a 15-year-old victim of Jimmy Savile, who is at the centre of a Tony Blackburn getting sacked. According to her friend, Kelly Gold said her friend, Claire McAlpine, who allegedly had beep with Blackburn when she was 15 in 1971, was whisked away by the unnamed megastar after he appeared on Top of the Pops. Miss McAlpine killed herself in that same year and Miss Gold said she is prepared to name the celebrity and report her evidence to the BBC and police. The former nurse decided to speak out after a £6 million BBC inquiry did not look into a series of allegations in Miss Alpine's diary. So Claire, the teenager, she made notes in her diary of what had happened before she took her life. Other names found in Miss McAlpine's diary of horrible things are said to have included Frank Sinatra and Rock Hudson. Miss Gold told the Sunday Mirror Claire's voice needs to be heard and her death fully investigated. Several people involved in beep her are still alive. She was labelled a fantasist in a bid to cover up what happened. She would still be alive today if they had listened to it. It's absolutely tragic. And we saw in the episode two, when Savile was confronted about this, how he just got really aggressive with the person at the BBC, talked about Catholicism and fantasists, teenage fantasists, and how he just completely brushed it off and managed to get his involvement. You know, the investigation, there was no further action. So... Miss Gold claimed she was groped by Savile as a teenager and she said that girls were given alcohol in a BBC bar after being picked out by staff. 
while teenagers were told to dress in hot pants and miniskirts for live recordings. So in The Reckoning today, we saw Savile in the corridor with the person portrayed as the girl, and it's making him look like he's a lone wolf. But according to Miss Gold, there was a lot of staff members at the BBC involved in this. They were being given alcohol in a BBC bar after being picked out by the staff. And these underage girls are being told to dress in skimpy outfits. So Miss Gold appeared with Miss McAlpine on an episode of Top of the Pops in the early 1970s and was pictured dancing near to Savile. Miss Gold said she gave an alibi to her friend the night she went back to a West London hotel with the superstar singer. And we don't even know who the superstar singer is because the superstar singer has not been named. She said she initially felt jealous when the teenager returned from Savile's room and announced she was going for a drink with the unnamed star. Nevertheless, she told Miss McAlpine's mother Vera that they would be staying together at her home in Clapham, South London. Miss Gold told the Mirror, Over the years I thought about the alibi I gave her for that night and I wish I hadn't, because within a couple of weeks she was dead, which was like the main story they showed today. Weeks later she saw the diary which detailed allegations against Blackburn, among others, and said she read her friend's account of the evening. Miss Gold read her friend had dinner with the unnamed star before sleeping with him and then became terrified at the thought of being pregnant. She believed that fear may be what led Miss McAlpine to take a fatal overdose of pills at her home in Watford. Miss Gold also described the alleged groping at the hands of Savile, claiming he dragged her down onto his knee before putting his hand up her dress. She said she managed to pull herself away before there was a call for everyone to go back to the set. Apparently, ex-BBC DJ Blackburn was sacked by the BBC after 50 years with the company, um, shortly before Dame Janet Smith's review was published. He admitted sleeping with hundreds of women during his lifetime, but strongly denied ever seducing Miss McAlpine. He said every woman he slept with was a consenting adult, and he had never inappropriately touched or hurt anyone. He said it is simply not true that I was interviewed by anyone at the BBC in 1971 or 72. The memos are part of the whitewash and cover-up which regrettably characterised the BBC's handling of these allegations. There is no possible reason for me to do anything other than tell the truth since there was never any inappropriate behaviour between myself and Claire McAlpine. Um, the BBC was dealing with the fallout from Dame Janet's damning report and Jonathan King claimed the corporation had ignored Hundreds of memos about David Bowie. Wow, so there really was a culture of this. In a sensational allegation, King said the BBC had turned a blind eye to alleged complaints about the musician because he was such a huge star. Writing on his website, King of Hits, 
He argued that Dame Janet's review had missed vital evidence. He said, Dame Janet obviously never read my books or examined the hundreds of BBC memos about such stars as the mighty David Bowie, a terrific talent who I knew well, who had sex with many more young people than Blackburn, Savile, and the rest of the BBC DJs added together. Or did she decide it might be wiser not to mention such stars? King was convicted of beep, was released from jail in 2005 after serving half of a seven-year sentence, convicted of beep and beep on boys aged 14 and 15 between 1983 and 1989. He added, I wonder whether all the rock and pop stars on the show, Top of the Pops, who had allegations made against them, were asked to give evidence, or were those employees of the BBC regarded as too wealthy or did they never misbehave? Were there no groupies? Blackburn contended that he was never so much as questioned about the allegation by his bosses, and Dame Janet chose to believe that his evidence was flawed, and the BBC accepted her view. A BBC memo which emerged into the public domain recorded that Blackburn was interviewed by Bill Cotton, head of Light Entertainment, over the allegation and flatly denied the accusation that he had slept with Claire McAlpine. Uh, Claire McAlpine subsequently withdrew her allegation against Blackburn, and that was the girl who was it was her story was portrayed in the Reckoning episode two, who ended her life. Uh, in a separate development, Blackburn claimed that he was told he could have returned to his BBC job within a few months if he had resigned quietly. Speaking to Radio 4's Broadcasting House program, he said, "I had been asked to resign by Bob Shannon." head of Radio 2, but I said, well, why do I want to resign? There's no point. I love my job at the BBC. I love the BBC. Why would I resign? He added he was open to a return to the BBC, but was concentrating on restoring his reputation. Yep, so that is the true story of Claire McAlpine. The Reckoning today portrayed Savile as this lone wolf, you know, picking this girl up out the corridor when actually, according to Miss Gold, who we interviewed in Untouchable, who was a Top of the Pops dancer, the BBC staff members were getting the girls drunk, encouraging underage girls to wear skimpy outfits, and picking the ones um, to be taken out and, and, you know, put in this environment where they were getting picked up by these celebrities, such as Savile and his cronies. And according to one of the guys in this article... There was a hell of a lot more people at it than Savile. And he's pointing out that David Bowie was in the mix. So that's news to me. So here's the rundown of what happened with Claire McAlpine. She was 15 years old. She, did, she made four visits to the live recordings of Top of the Pops. She kept a diary. And she chronicled her journey and what happened in the diary. And that was found by her mother Vera in early 1971. And in the diary was a disturbing claim that after a show, she said she'd met Tony Blackburn, who invited her back to his flat in West London. And you know what? This claim prompted Mrs. McAlpine to call the BBC, saying something had to be done. Ten days after the complaint, a BBC memo, which emerged, recorded that Blackburn was interviewed by Bill Cotton, and he flatly denied the accusation that he slept with the girl. 
A few weeks later, Claire withdrew her allegation. But then on March 30th, 1971, Claire was found dead on the floor of her bedroom with a note which read, Don't laugh at me for being dramatic, but I just can't take it anymore. That's absolutely awful. Terrible. And her heart goes out to the mum there. Claire's mum passed the diary to Scotland Yard, who did not question or identify the DJ or other celebrities she named, dismissing the contents as the work of a young woman unconnected with reality. So, so much for Scotland Yard or the police pursuing the story of what really happened to Claire McAlpine. They didn't give a hoot. Uh, They wrote her off as a fantasist. An inquest days after Claire's death also ignored the diary and concluded her mind was disturbed. Between 1971 and 1972, lawyer Brian Neal was instructed to investigate a string of scandals surrounding Top of the Bops. He interviewed 15 people connected with the BBC, including, it is claimed, Tony Blackburn, who later insisted he never met Brian Neal. In 2013, Blackburn gave a formal interview to the Savile Inquiry when asked by Dame Janet Smith whether he was ever made aware of Claire, uh, Mrs. McAlpine's complaint against him. He said he was not, and he denied ever being interviewed by Bill Cotton. And Dame Janet concluded Blackburn could offer no explanation for the existence of the memo. She said Blackburn later accepted, I might prefer the documentary evidence to his recollection. So... They just went into pure denial mode that anyone else was involved. And even to this day, we're seeing the BBC portray this as a lone wolf, Jimmy Savile, picking up a girl in a corridor and no co-conspirators involved whatsoever. So as usual, when it comes to these situations, we've got the old whitewash. Anyway, tomorrow it's going to be, I think, hey, Melissa, as far as my recollection goes, when we were researching this for Untouchable, I think that Scotland Yard or the police ended up losing the diary. Can you believe it? I'll have to double check that. But obviously, you know, people were being protected. So... Absolute tragedy, no justice for Claire McAlpine. And now we've got the BBC in the reckoning, totally putting it all on Savile, which is disgraceful. All right, so tomorrow we've got Untouchable coming out. Um, and then Thursday, John Wedger. Friday, a Royal Mess. Saturday, I'm going to do a live stream going over the Surrey Police interview with Jimmy Savile which is fascinating the way he just took control. And I'm going to break it down line by line. And then on Sunday, we've got a podcast. It might be Christian Walmer who exposed a lot of this. He wrote a book about care homes in the 1970s and 80s, how the care home kids were preyed on. And he links that to Jimmy Savile. Um, So the next four or five nights in a row, lots of content coming out. Thanks for all your questions. Really happy my dad had such a good good time. Yes, Gemini, get get my dad back on. I look forward to doing that. And um, hope to see some of you guys in the chat tomorrow. Take care.